One of the things that we're wanting to be able to do is kind of show you about identity. What we've done is we've dealt with the possibility of listening to lies from the enemy. How many of you know the enemy's just a liar and he's the father of lies? And this is a great example that exhibits kind of what goes on in the battle that takes place. See if this is very familiar to you and in the way that you've also exhibited the enemy trying to lie to you. Don't you? Yeah. All your life. Always been an outcast. When you were little, you didn't fit in because you had light skin and everybody made fun of you, remember? I'm sure you do. And not only that, but guess what? People still don't like you. That's right. You think people at church like you? Nah, they just tolerate you. Because, well, you're just another person coming in. That's it. You're just a number, bro. Just like you were when you were a teenager and your future. You once were a loser, you're still a loser, you'll always be a loser. Those are all lies. Don't believe it. <laughs> Come on, let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Um, how many of you, if you're really truthful and honest, we've all dealt with that battle in the mind? Yeah, we've all dealt with that. I'm not good enough, or I'm not you know, good looking enough, or I'm not tall enough, or whatever excuses you can kind of do up in your mind. The enemy is going to try to tell you those things and get you to believe that. One of the things that we're going to begin to start, you know, today, uh, I've got a message about being a children of God. But I want you to know that there is an identity war, and God's really been stirring up within me to have a to start a series on the uh, the identity wars. Basically, it's who you are, who you're designed to be, who you're created to be. If we're created in the image and the likeness of God, what does that look like? What is the image and the likeness of God? We we know that that's all part of kingdom living, and Jesus came to bring the kingdom. Come on, somebody. And and Jesus came to, to give you dominion, to rule over those things, especially those thoughts that are there. So I want to just look at, a, a, if you got, if I got a handout today, if you guys got it, let's get it. Let's take a look at it. If you don't have one and you want one, just put your hand up and we'll get you one right here. We've got one right over here. We got one, two, three, four right over here. Terry up in the front. Um, if you guys will let, let Richard know here and he'll get them to you because I want us to look at what we're going to do. There's five things that I'm only going to give you two today, but there's five things about being a child of God. When you become a believer and follower of Christ, you, you not only are redeemed, you're saved, you're going to heaven, come on, but God wants you to know that your identity becomes in him and not you or what you do. A lot of us get our identity. Men, men, you guys are that way. All the men go, hmm. come on. Everybody, all the men go, hmm. We, we get identity, and a lot of times it's what you do. You notice when women get together, Shelly will meet another lady, and I'll be there, and they talk about relational things. They talk about how many children do you have? You know, what grandchildren do you have? They talk about those relational things. What about you guys? When we get together, Terry and I first met, we're talking to each other, and guess what comes up? What do you do? <laughs> Football. What comes? Yeah. 
Yeah. What team do you go after? You know what I mean? So there can be a lot about sports, but it's really when the guys get together, it's about what do you do for a living? Now, all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's that. It's about our identity is tied up in Terry, Terry being a fireman. Do you know what I mean? Well, he's a fireman. Oh, now all of his identity is a fireman. Well, you know what? He's a business owner. All of his identity is in a business owner. Or you know what? He's a dentist. So all of our, all of our identity is tied up in a dentist. Are you with me? But God wants us to be able to understand that our identity needs to be in not what you do, it's important what you do, but who you're attached to, who that your identity needs to be. And look at John, for John chapter 1, verse 12. I don't want to read the amplified version because we are going to begin to start dealing with these identity wars. John chapter 1, verse 12 in the amplified version, it says, I can talk like this because it's the amplified version. It's the amplified version. Verse 12, but as to many as did receive him and welcome him, he gave the right, the authority, the privilege, you got that, to become children of God. That is to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. To many as did receive and welcome him, he what? Gave the right, the authority, the privilege. It's an honor for me to be known as a child of the Most High God. You know, I wear a lot of different hats throughout the week, but the most important thing that matters to me is that I belong to God. Amen? Can you say that today? I belong to God. Amen. So he says to become children of God. That is those who believe in, adhere to, are you with me? Trust in and rely on. A lot of us are like, well, I believe in God, but I don't trust in him or I don't rely on him and, and I don't adhere to him and I don't, you know what I mean? It's like only when it fits my, my lifestyle can I believe God. Are you with me? But God wants us to believe God no matter what's going on in your lifestyle. Come on, somebody. And the situations that you've been up against and had to come against. So you adhere to, you trust in, and you rely upon him. And who is he? His name is Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So I want to tell you this word right here, child of God. This word, child of God. This word, child of God. There is four different Greek words for the word child of God. This one is technon. And this word literally means a child as a daughter or a son. We believe it's somewhere around um, uh, Nepios. Paedion, Techno, somewhere around a teenager's age. And then there's the weos where you become mature adults. But I'm going to give you real quick, I'm going to give you two of the five things about a child of God. Number one, believe God has a plan and a purpose for your life. A plan and a purpose for your life. Everybody say your life. 
A lot of times I can talk to people, and, and guess what? They say, well, you know, we've got a plan and a purpose for David's life. That's David's plan and purpose. Or that's Lon's plan and purpose. There's a plan and a purpose, but I don't know about my plan and purpose. I don't even know if God has a plan and purpose for my life, you know? It might be Tatum's plan and purpose to lead worship, but what about my plan and purpose? And a lot of times we can see God's plan and purpose in other people's lives, but it's got to be about your life. So the part of this message is going to be all about you. You'll like this. A lot of times we're like all about Jesus, but now this one's going to be all about you. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a scripture that I want, to, I want to give to you. It says, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, not to harm you, but to give you a what? Hope and a future. In the New Living Translation on this one, it says plans for good and not disaster. Are y'all listening to this? See, this is going to shake some people because in social media, everybody's after what God's trying to do to tear apart this world, and that's not true. God has plans for you, plans for good and not a disaster. God's not causing disasters just to see how good a person you are. Oh, come on, somebody. So it's, it, he says it's plans for good and not disaster. And the amplified version is <laughs> for the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, for peace and for well-being and not for disaster and to give you what? A future and a hope. That word plans is actually the Hebrew word shalom. Anybody ever heard the Hebrew word shalom? That's actually the word for the word plans in this scripture. It's the shalom. It's the, it's the peace of God. It means safe. Shalom means safe. Shalom means well. Shalom means happy. Shalom means friendly. Come on, somebody. Shalom, the word shalom means health. It means prosperity. Come on, he wants you to prosper. Not us talking financially. He wants you to prosper financially, but he wants to pro you prosper in your emotions. He wants you to prosper in your mind. He wants you to prosper in your belief system towards who you are. So you don't like the video showed earlier with Mario going, you know what? Hey, you're, you're no good. They don't like you. You know, they're just putting up with you. That's all a lie. He wants you to be able to know the truth and the lie so you can determine that you're going to walk in truth and operate in truth and meditate on truth and think about the truth of God's word. Can I get an amen? So it really means prosperity. It means peace. So the second one is the Hebrew word is for thoughts. The word thoughts. That Hebrew word for the word thoughts is, um, I'm going to try to pronounce it, it's uh, Makashabah. And it means abstract, abstractly, it means an intentional plan. It's intentional. God has something intentional for you. Oh, come on, somebody. Elbow your neighbor and say, wake up. I need you to get this. God's got something for you today. Because a lot of times we're just kind of going through life like a pinball in a pinball machine. Bing, 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 bing. We're just bouncing off whatever happens, whatever goes on, whatever's there. And God has some intentional plans for your life. 
In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Casey, he has a plan for you. He has thoughts. He has plans for you, not to harm you, but to give you good. Come on, somebody. God wants good things to happen to you. He wants you to discover some things. I know last week we honored the graduate, and I was ex- extremely excited about the opportunity to, to be able to speak and to see, um, to see somebody step into some of the plans that God has for them. And and Dessa, when she's, you know, she knows. She knows what things are going to look like. She's got an idea of what things are going to be the next six months in her life. She's ready to get on with her life. She's going to get married. She's ready to start that chapter of her life. Those are the things that take place. And a lot of times we as parents, what we try to do is we try to guide our children, right? That's a good thing. We guide our children, and, and what we need to do is, well, have you ever heard of the, the Jewish lady that was walking down the street with her 7-year-old and her 9-year-old? Jude, she was walking down the street with a 7-year-old and a 9-year-old, and somebody walked by and said, hey, how are you doing? They said, who are these? And she said, this is my lawyer, and this is my, uh, this is my doctor. <laughs> This is my lawyer, and this is my doctor. She'd already had plans for them, right? This is what they were going to be. There's a lot of cultures that are there. I know a lot of cultures in India, a lot of cultures where they're automatically taking a child from the time they're three or four, and they're going to medical school. They are going to be a medical doctor. The parents have already decided what what the children are going to do. I want to just challenge that a little bit because I want to see parents are wonderful guiding, but what about the child's gifts and talents and abilities? My my suggestion is, what about if we allow them to discover that? That's hard to allow your children the freedom to discover what they're good at, what they're gifted at, what God has for them, and a lot of times we don't. We want to make it sure that their life follows this pattern, you know what I mean? And instead of allowing them to decide, the parents decide, we allow the children to discover them, discover what that is. So there may be some plans that you may have in your life that, you know, you may get to that place where maybe that plan's not viable any longer. Let's begin to discover what God has for you. No matter what age group you're in now, no matter what, where you are in your walk with Christ, no matter what's going on in your life, you can begin to discover those things that God wants you to be able to discover. See, you, we take that time to discover, and you know what you're going to find? Jackie, you're going to find a hidden treasure. There's a treasure that's hidden in there and that all of a sudden your mom didn't know it was there or your dad didn't know it was there, but God knew it was there and that treasure begins to come forth. See, I want to show you this scripture here. Um, um, 
I think we may have the wrong PowerPoint, but just stay with this one anyway. There is a scripture uh, that I was going to show you, but let me let me give you this this saying, and I may I think I've got it on your handout. When you believe God has a plan and a purpose for your life, it will keep you centered and grounded during difficult times. It'll keep you centered and grounded. Is that on your is that on your sheet? Okay. When you believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. It will keep you, some can put rooted and grounded. It'll keep you centered and grounded when there's difficult times in your life. Let me say that again. When, when you understand as a child of the Most High God, that when you are a child of God and there is a plan and there is a purpose for your life, when difficulty comes, that plan, that purpose, just knowing that God has a plan for me is going to keep you centered or grounded. Are you with me? Grounded and you're going to be able to overcome the difficult things in your life. Come on, somebody ought to say amen because I'm preaching good up in here. And that's what, that's what we realize. Sometimes we don't know. We just don't know. There's two things why the Bible says that people perish. In Habakkuk, it says, without a vision, my people perish. But it also says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Not knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So God has a plan and a purpose for your life. If you want to look, that's the number one thing that you've got to realize as a child of God that he has a plan and purpose for my life. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know at times either. But here's what I do know. God has a plan and he has a purpose for me. God has a plan. Say that with me. God has a plan and a purpose for me. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a plan and a purpose for you. Yes, he does. Yes, he's got a plan and a purpose for you. He does have a plan and a purpose for you. If you're here right now and you're concerned about whether God has a plan and a purpose or you don't know that he has a plan and a purpose, I want to pray for you. Is there anybody here that maybe you're not sure about your plan and your purpose? If you just stand up, I want to pray with you. Come on, anybody here? Thank you. Anybody here? Anybody else? That you're not sure about the plan and the purpose that God has for you? Thank you. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you that these that are, that, that are, that are just unsure of where they're at, that God, they'll begin to discover. I call forth that hidden treasure out of them. I call forth that, that as they begin to discover that plan and their purpose, that peace of God, those thoughts that you have for them, not to harm them, but to give them hope and a future, that they'll begin, you'll begin to make that clear to them, and they'll believe it, and they'll receive that right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So what about you guys? The first thing is to know that God is being a child of God, that he does have a plan and purpose for your life. Number two, everybody say number two. Don't let external circumstances control your life. I'm a child of God. I'm learning how to be a child of God because I'm telling you, when you're a child of God, you have to learn how to do that. Okay. When you're a child of God, you have to learn how to do that. When you, Lon, when, when you laid tile, you had to learn how to lay tile. Okay? 
Some of you, Tennille danced. She had to learn how to dance. She just didn't come out of the womb. She might have come out of the womb dancing a little bit. You know what I mean? There might have been some rhythm in there, but she had to learn how to dance. She, she had to learn how to do those things. As you're a child of God and you're operating as a child of God, you've got to learn those things. Give yourself some, some leeway to, to grow and to understand. Okay? Give yourself some of that. But you've got to understand this. As, as I'm a child of God, I learn I've got a plan. I learn I've got a purpose. Now, guess what? Everything's going to come against that plan and come against that purpose. And the second thing I need you to know is that you do not let external circumstances control your life. I could put the emphasis on your life, control your life. I could put the emphasis on external Come on, there's pressure coming on the outside. We're going to get into that in just a minute. Those external things, there's circumstances. I could put the emphasis on circumstances. You're in the middle of a a difficult place. There's different circumstances. What's going to happen? And that stuff on the outside, if you let it get in you, it can rot you from the inside out. Come on. I know that's a little harsh, a little strong, but it can control. I could put the emphasis on this scripture on control. You know what? The only thing that controls you is you. If you let Virginia control you or a husband control you or a wife control you or whatever that might be, you give them control. Somebody else controls your anger. I can get angry and then somebody's going to try to control that anger for me. Are you with me? And that controls your life. We can't let the outside circumstances control us. Why do bad things happen to good people? You know what? There's good things that happen to bad people, too. So we can't let those outside situations control us. Two weeks ago, Hebrews chapter 11, we read through the scriptures. We talked about Hebrews chapter 11 and part of Hebrews chapter 12. And every person, those people of faith, had issues in their life. That there were outside circumstances, but they didn't let those outside external circumstances try to control them. Can I get an amen? So when we look at that and we realize that, I want to give you real quick. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 and verses 33. And I'm going to step up here a little bit, a little bit quicker. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 33. Um. The church of Corinth, I'm not going to give you the background on this, but right now, verse 23, are they servants of Christ? I speak if, if, as if insane. This is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. I more so, in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. This is what Paul went through. These were outside circumstances that he went through. Are you with me? He was imprisoned. He was beaten times Without number. In other words, I got beat so many times, I don't even, I lost count. Can anybody say that? No, we can't say that, can we? I know the times I was beaten, and I know that I may have had to take my shoes and socks off in order to get more than 10. Are you with me? But, but understand that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being a little facetious here on that. But you've got to understand that when Paul was going through some stuff, he was trying to tell the church of Corinth some of the things that he'd gone through. Beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Verse 24, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was thrown rocks at. I try to stay away from the word stoned. 
<laughs> I was stoned, man, three times. He was shipwrecked. Okay? He was three times, he was shipwrecked night and day. And he'd spent time in the deep. In other words, he was out in the water, in the ocean. That dude could tread some water now. Verse 26, he says, I have been on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from countrymen, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger in the sea, danger among false brothers. I mean, nobody liked this guy. All right? That dude was, he was, you talk about being bullied. Paul was being bullied all the time. He was, he was in danger of all these things. Verse 27, I've been in labor and hardship, many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirsty, often without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such external things that there's the daily pressure of all the concerns for all the churches. I mean, if I hadn't gone through all this stuff, external circumstances, I got some other stuff with the churches. And Paul was, was really sharing his heart to the church of Corinth, and he, was, and he was going on and on about the difficult that he had gone through. Verse 29, who is weak without me being weak? He's asking a question there. Who is led into sin without my intense concern? In other words, what they do matters to me. If I have to boast, I boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus and in Eurythrite, under the Artus, uh, the excuse me, Arteus, the king, was guarding the city of Damascus scenes in order to seize me. And I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall, so they escaped by his hands. I mean, Paul was saying, look, they let me down in a basket, man. I was going to be killed if they didn't get me out of there. How many difficult external things did Paul go through? When I look at that, it just, to me, it just begins to stir up some things within me and say, you know what? No matter what I go through, it can't be as bad as what he went through. I've gone where I was hungry. I've gone where I've had need. I've gone where I couldn't sleep. I've gone where I've worried about things. Come on, somebody. I've gone where I was had such great concern about things that, that, it, that it may have caused unrest within my spirit, my soul itself. Not my spirit, but my soul itself. So let me give you real quick before we leave four things about being a child of God that you are not. Four things that you are not. In Corinthians chapter 2, let's look at verses uh, chapter 4, excuse me, verses 8 and 9. Here's what Paul was saying to the Corinthian church before. He, this was after. We read chapter 11. This was actually before. He said, I'm hard-pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. Come on, somebody. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. Did Paul, he, he went through some stuff. You all agree he went through some stuff. We read it. And then he's talking about this even before he was telling the church of Corinth what he had gone through. And he said he had looked at it. So the four things about being a child of God that you are not. He says, I'm hard pressed. That word hard pressed, I was looking it up in the Greek and it means to be like crowded. It, it means you're crowded on every side. I'm troubled. I'm troubled. And then we've had times of being crowded. We've had times of being troubled. But he goes on and he said, but I'm not crushed. 
I may be down, but I'm not out. I may have taken a licking, but I'm going to keep on ticking. I may get knocked down, but I'm getting back up. I may be behind now, but I'm going to move in to the victory that God has for me. I am. I may be pressed in on every side. I feel like an olive, you know, olive press all the time, but I am not crushed. In other words, it's not over. Tell somebody it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. We look at that. I looked at that word not crushed and it and it means to be distressed. I'm not distressed. I am not hemmed in no matter what it looks like. I am not all cramped up no matter what it looks like. I I it says you feel the weight and the squeeze. And the squeeze. You ever have those little plastic lemon lime plastic squeeze things? You just got to squeeze them in order to get it out. Sometimes we feel like we're in the middle of that squeeze. That word literally means to be squeezed by force. I'm not that. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not that. You're not crushed. Tell them that you're not crushed. You're not crushed. And he goes on and he says, I'm perplexed, but not in despair. In other words, perplexed is, is I have no way out. I have no way out. I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss mentally. I've just been wore out of my mind. Anybody ever been wore out of their mind? You might feel like you're wore out, and there's times where right now I believe that you people feel like they are wore out, but he goes on and he says, I'm not in despair. That's one of the things. Another thing as a child of God, you're not in despair. Say, I'm not in despair. That word despair means I'm utterly at a loss. But God's word is saying, no, no, you're not utterly at a loss. How many of you know with God there's all things are possible? How many of you know there's still hope in the middle of your situation? If you're in despair, you've lost hope. You've given up. You've quit. Come on, somebody. There's hopelessness. And God says as a child of God, you're not that. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not that. I'm not in despair either. God's got a way. The third thing he talked about with uh, being a child of God that you're not is number one, or number number one was hard-pressed, you're not crushed. Number two, you're perplexed, but you're not in despair. Number three, you're persecuted, meaning you're suffering persecution. There's times we're persecuted. There's times we're persecuted in our own mind, and a lot of the persecution on ourselves can be from ourselves. Oh, come on, somebody. You can persecute yourself. I should have done this. I should have done that better. Could have been that better. I did that better. I failed there. I messed up there. And you persecute yourself. But he goes on and he says, I'm not abandoned. Everybody say not abandoned. I'm not abandoned. That word abandoned in the Greek, it means left behind. But you're not left behind. Oh, come on, somebody. You're not left behind. But I'm last. It doesn't matter. The Bible says those that are last will be First, come on, somebody. That's like we get in a buffet line. I'm like, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Everybody else go first. I'll go last. Why? Because those that are last will be first. And also, by the time when you get through the buffet line, they've already replenished a lot of stuff, and the stuff comes back out, and you go through, and it's hot. <laughs> not ashamed. Uh, excuse me. I'm not abandoned. I'm not left behind. I'm not deserted. I'm not left, listen to this, without care or support. I'm not left without care or support. When we look at that word abandoned, it means no care or no support. But I'm not abandoned, right? You see the word not, N-O-T? Right, not abandoned. I'm not abandoned. And the fourth one real quick is struck down or to throw down violently. Where'd Angela get to? 
Oh, there she is. Uh, I'm not crushed. I'm not in despair. Are you with me? I'm not abandoned. And I'm what? I'm not destroyed. I may be struck down, but you're not destroyed. Being struck down is like to be thrown down violently. I don't know, but there's times where I've felt that I have been struck down. Thrown down violently or tossed down. But he says, I'm not destroyed. I love this word. When I look at it in the Greek, the word destroyed means to like destroy fully. But it also means to shred. I'm not all shredded up. You are not hamburger meat. Oh, come on. There may be some difficult things in your life. There may be some difficult things that you're dealing with. And you might feel that sometimes, I know I'm hard-pressed, me too, but I'm not crushed. I know I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. Are you with me? I know that I'm persecuted. And a lot of that can be self-persecution coming from within inside yourself. But you're not abandoned. You're not alone. God's not just going to take his provision from you. He's going to get that provision. Well, wait a minute. My provision should come from Shelly. Well, if Shelly doesn't give me that provision, come on, somebody. God's going to give me the provision I need. Amen? And when, when you look at that, and, and he wants to provide for us emotionally, and he wants to be that support system. Sometimes when we look and we're, and we're struck down, thrown down. You feel like you may be thrown down, but, but guess what? You're not destroyed. Oh, it's hopeless, Pastor. Do you see what all's going on in the world? Yeah, the world's in a difficult place right now, but I got news for you. You're a child of the Most High God. And as a child of the Most High God, you can begin to rise up. And you might be able to say, just like Paul did, said, guess what? I was, I was hard-pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. When Paul went through that and the difficulty that he went through, he began to start realizing that, you know what? God is for you. Who can be against you? He began to start realizing. He stood in front of kings and he stood in front of governors. And he began to start talking about who Jesus Christ was to him. And all of a sudden, things began to shift. Things began to change. I can come in here on Sunday morning and I can feel uh, struck down. I can feel persecuted. I can feel perplexed. Are you with me? I can feel all those things and all of a sudden start to worship the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. And my perspective can begin to change. And my identity comes right back to not in what I've done or haven't done or could have done, should have done, or would have done. But it comes back to me being a child of the Most High God. And that God has a plan. And God has a purpose for me. And in that plan and purpose for me, he, I don't need to let those external things control what goes on in my life. We let external things keep us out of reading the Word of God. I'm depressed. I just don't feel like reading, Pastor. Well, you read the stop sign when you pulled up to it, didn't you? Yes. You'll sit down and watch TV for 14 hours a day. Are you with me? And we'll, we'll binge on stuff, you know. Whatever movies or shows, you can binge on that. Let's have some time for the Word of God. Let's make that time for the Word of God. Well, I don't feel like reading. It doesn't matter how you feel. Faith is not based on a feeling. 
you begin to start putting that stuff in you. I eat no matter whether I'm hungry or not. How about you? Sometimes I eat even when I'm not hungry. Amen? And I like to snack. Let me Real quick, let me read chapter 4. Let me read verses 10 through 18. And I'll let you guys get out of here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to read verse, the rest of 10 through 18, the rest of the scripture here. He goes on, he says, um, I'll go back to 8. He says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying around in the body the dying of Christ, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in my body. For we who live are constantly delivered over to death for death's sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal bodies. So death works in us, but life works in you. <laughs> I like that part. Death is working in me, but guess what? Life is also working in me. Life is also working in me. He goes on in verse 13, having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, in other words, I have faith in, therefore I spoke. We also believe, have faith in, therefore we speak. I can, I can share with you what I believe by hanging around me a little while. And I believe that all things are possible to him that believe. My words will tell you what I believe. My words will tell you. Your actions may say one thing, but your words are going to also say something. And that's what you believe. And therefore, what I believe, I also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you for all things for which your sakes, that the grace which is spreading more and more. You know why the grace message is, is, is spreading? Because the Bible says it's supposed to. There's people like, be careful about that grace message now. No, that's my human mind. The grace message is supposed to spread to more and more people. That's what it says in verse 15. Giving thanks and abound to the glory of God. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. I love it. We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. I'm not gonna lose heart. I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna move back. I'm gonna keep believing. I'm gonna keep speaking. I'm gonna keep confessing. I'm gonna keep reading. I'm gonna keep praying. I'm gonna keep declaring. I'm gonna keep loving no matter what. I am not gonna lose heart because all those things are tied up in my heart and when I lose them, I lose my heart and I'm not gonna lose my heart. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody ought to be giving the Lord a mighty shout. We don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. He says, though the outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day by day by day. For here's what he says. Verse 17. For momentary light affliction. <laughs> Ow, I don't think that was too light. Are you with me? But he says, momentary, light affliction is producing for us the eternal weight of glory. And far beyond all comparison, 
the glory that came that is coming with Jesus Christ is far greater than any of the previous glory. The glory that had Moses lighting up like a light bulb and they had to put a bag over his head because the Israelites didn't want, oh, I can't, don't do, but cover up the glory. The glory that we are getting ready to walk into is far greater than the great glory that was years ago. Come on, somebody. It's greater glory. Turn to your name and say, it's greater glory. It's greater glory. It goes on that we will look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Stand to your feet this morning. I'm learning how to become a child of God. I'm learning. Are you learning? Are you growing? Well, guess what? You get to exercise that in the middle of that growth. I'm learning how to become a child of God. I'm learning how to become a child of God. And in learning how to become a child of God, I've got to know that, I have, that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. My plan and purpose changed 30 years ago. It, for me, God, it might have been God's plan the whole time. I don't know about all that. might have been. But it, it changed. But I need to know that he still has a plan and purpose for my life. The second thing that I shared with you is that the external circumstances shouldn't control your life. When a football player who's playing in professional sports blows his knee out and can't return to play football, what happens is you begin to find out what's really inside them. Some will fade away because their identity was in their position or what they did. Are you with me? And our identity needs to be in who we are. When we know that I belong to God and he's my daddy and there's good things he wants for me, that whether I blow my knee out or whether I'm a preacher, pastor, hog farmer, whatever the things that I do, when they're all gone, it's going to matter that I'm a child of the Most High God. Because things can begin to shift. We've allowed the external situations to change our belief system. I thought God was good, and then until I asked Him for some things, and He didn't give it to me like I thought He should give it to me, so now I don't even believe in God. That's nuts, and that's stupid. God still believes in you. He still believes in the person that has no faith in him. He still believes in us that may struggle with our faith at times. He's still God. He's still saying the deal's still on. It's not over. Maybe you didn't fulfill what you, Connie, what, you, what God felt like you were to fulfill earlier, what you felt like God would fill. But guess what? There's some things in that plan and that purpose that you can fulfill today, that you can begin to walk in right now. I want to pray with you. Let me pray with you. I pray for your plan. I pray for your per per uh, purpose earlier. But I also want to pray that those external circumstances don't control your life. They may control others, but they're not going to control you because you're a child of the Most High God. You're controlled by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you and brings you into those things that God wants in your life. He's there for you. 
I pray that you'll just have a revelation of God as we learn how to become children of God and operate as children of God. We read in John that we are children of God because we believe in him. And let's walk that out. Father, I thank you that your kids here today are ready to walk in your goodness, walk in your grace, walk in your glory. I thank you that when we are weak, that you're strong. I thank you that your word is alive and active in each and every life. In Jesus' name.